Welcome to episode four of Creative Welly, Courageous Conversations with Bold Humans. My name is DK, I'm your host, and this is brought to you by also Jono, our producer over at Empire Films, and also Alex, the brilliant host at X Equals, where we film this podcast. In this episode, we have two amazing humans talking about everything from mindfulness, producing television and films, uh, COVID, the screen sector, the future of mental health, yoga, Maori and Mauridom, and how connecting to your breath is so important in all those aspects. We have Sandy Gildia. She's the executive director of Sparta, which is all about screen producers in New Zealand, and also Jace Te Patu, founder at M3 Mindfulness for Children, and also the co-owner of Athi Yoga and Wellbeing. Get into this, guys. I know you're going to really enjoy it, and see you at the other end. One of my um, things that, you know how you over lockdown, I all of a sudden had more money because didn't spend it on anything, and so mm. I became interested and bought a Canon camera didn't I with oh, no okay. zero having done lots of filming myself but being on this side but I was like I'm gonna buy a camera I'm gonna buy a microphone yeah. I'm gonna buy lights and all of a sudden I'm Steven Spielberg <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, uh, I'm like geeking out about this going yeah. oh I saw that road mic that's the one I wanted to right do. okay These cameras oh. and, and then when you graduate Oh, that's next level. <laughs> and then I've got a green uh, screen. Have you? Yeah. Oh, like, wow. I went okay. all out. Is that when okay. you, so you did some um, videos of, of your classes online during lockdown? Or was that before? I didn't know. We've, we've hired someone else to do that. But yeah. uh, but it was the, the getting the camera was, it was I was going to um, film some online stuff and just make it quality because lots of shit stuff was being put out. I've always kind of thought, well, how can I level up and be a point of difference in everything that I do? Mm. And so I thought I could do it. Old big audacious thinker over here, and then actually no, <laughs> I can't. <laughs> but I've got this camera now, yeah. <laughs> and I can use it. My partner's a chef, and he's been um, trying to get an online platform going. So I've been filming him mm. and just starting off little, yeah, you know, like that. Like cooking, doing little bits and bits. Yeah, like he does little, uh, for, a, for a fitness professional who's already got an online platform, he's the chef who gives uh, healthy recipes and uh, teaches people how to like, like cook a steak, for example, mm. uh, the proper way. So that so I've just been filming him and putting together little videos. That's so cool. Start small, eh? Got to. <laughs> I love that you're branching out and experimenting. Yeah, well, Try with a small amount of time that I've got. <laughs> exactly. Well, that's, that's lockdown, right? It gives you a fever to try something new, and I think we've all come out of it going, okay, yeah, let's try something different now. Uh, I think there's been a lot of midlife crises. Crises? 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 Lockdown going, yes, I did want to be a painter when I was a kid. Let's revisit that. Right, and start painting again. Mm. Um, seeing, yeah. or, or bake uh, sourdough bread. Or, oh, you know, yeah. or it's been a major thing, hasn't it? What was that? There was such a, a phenomenon, mm. specifically sourdough. Mm. You, not a fan? Oh, I love it. I was mm. just curious. Right, yeah. oh, I was busy. It was just busy for work. I was so, I think okay. I was busier post-lockdown or in lockdown than I was leading up to lockdown. It was just such a crazy time for the sector. I think with everything mm. shutting down, right. it was of all course. about getting back up again. But it was also supporting people through 
was helping them with the wage subsidy, how to access mm. it. And then it was, you know, health and safety, getting the sort of protocols and standards. Mm. And, you know, producers being the in charge, I think, and always sort of developing and leading and propelling projects. It's a very interesting space to feel like you've had that taken away from you. Mm. And so I think almost from day one, it was like, what are we going to do to get back up running again? Which was actually a really good thing to have at the back propelling because you knew there would be one day when we would come out of lockdown. It felt difficult to think about it some days, you know, because mm. you just wanted to prioritise it. But I think it was good to always have that as the overarching, you know, to get back up and out and get people back into jobs. So I didn't get to do any of that kind of stuff, you know? <laughs> well, I've been noticing a huge amount of content from Sparta kind of being pushed out around all that stuff, you know, the kind of guidance and ways mm. of things, like you said. But it's mm. also, wasn't there a lot of stuff? Do, do you know what Sparta is before we get? Mm -hmm. Yeah, you kind mm -hmm. of. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, there was a huge amount of stuff happening in terms of like the 2030 vision and things like that. Yeah. So that kind of came all at the same time, it yeah. seems like. So that was the screen sector strategy that the Prime Minister um, wanted to have the industry lead its own strategy. So it was sort of in the pipeline. It's been worked on for 18 months or so with Hui around the country and lots of submissions that you can write in to talk about your vision or the sector's vision for the next 10 years, which is quite hard. I think 10 years is a really long time. So it coincided, the draft, the first draft after all of the consultation process coincided with us being in lockdown and with COVID. So it was a very long discussion as to whether or not we should release that draft because of the situation. Okay. A lot of the context and the, the, the material that was written and discussed uh, didn't feel relevant anymore. It needed a lot of work to take into the fact that now, you know, 98% of people are out of jobs and there weren't any productions. And also we just felt, and for me I felt that perhaps it may be... Um, kind of the tone would be wrong to bring that out in, in, in the midst uh -huh. of all of this. Mm. Anyway, decided to put in quite a good upfront letter about it and it went back out into the sector and it was polarising, to be honest. I mean, some people really responded to it in, in a very negative way and others were more positive. But it did, it was um, a provocation and it did lead to... 230 more submissions being written. So you've got to say that's a good thing. So people really went, okay, this isn't working or that's working, but we want this. And you, and I think you need that sometimes to, to make people kind of put pen to paper because otherwise you're too busy, really, isn't it? Do it. It started, started the conversation. Mm. And that's the conversation they needed to be had, it sounded like, because mm. look at the submissions that you got. Yeah, and that's interesting because that's even after 18 months mm. of having it in circulation, mm. having the discussions. But I think when, when you're looking at such big questions and such, you know, people's livelihoods and, and everybody wanting to feel like they can see themselves in the document or they see their stories, how they might get made in the future, I think it's a very... Um, well, it's a very passionate and, I think, um, dedicated sector anyway, people yeah. who are in it for, for all the right reasons. So, yeah, it was interesting, but it was certainly um, on top of everything else. It, it, did, it was quite intense. I think lockdown was quite intense. So you represent the independent film 
and screen TV, whatever screen is nowadays, right? Because yeah. you've got the digital yeah. kind of component, which we, I'm sure we'll get to. But what was then the results then of all those new submissions? What was the general feeling? Come, okay, 2030, this is our plan. What, what is the plan? Well, that's just it. It's actually there. There is no one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. It the 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 more voices that you allow for, I think the more the document becomes an overarching. It's like a roof that everyone can gather under and continue the discussion to a huge right. extent. Okay. You you kind of by dint of having so many voices, you've got to. Um, have kind of the, yes, infrastructure, yes, we need to have funding, yes, we need to have skills development, yes, we need this. And we decided that there was a lot of work needed to be done, so there'll be establishments of smaller working groups around this area, around intellectual copyright, you know, or property. Um, and so it's more of a plan for our plan to move forward, which always sounds, you know, the, the classic strategy very, kind of document, isn't it? campaign, but. political campaign <laughs> language. Yeah. I'm just mindful of that yeah, yeah. way to move forward. But yeah. Such There's no way around it. it. It does sound, you know, you sort of go, all right, but what if we could just do three things? And once again, if you, if my three things aren't the same as your three things, mm. nor your three things. And so it, it ends up being, sometimes the discussion is more important than what's sitting on the paper. Yeah, it's about the relationships, and it's about making sure that everybody in the sector felt like they had a relationship with the document or that they have a relationship with the people who might be working and helping them move through the sector. So, yeah, I think it's, it becomes a kind of a, not so much a sideline, it's about agreeing to work together, which I think is... Mm. So give us an understanding, what's the current state of the sector here in New Zealand when it comes to independent filmmakers or producers? Let's just say producers, shouldn't say filmmakers. Mm. What is the state? Um, I think like it always is, it's incredibly robust and resilient in talking about the setup that you have here. I think there's always a deep desire to just continue to make great stories. And so I think that the sector will always continue to strive and to, to thrive no matter what the situation. Even in lockdown, people were still very quickly, they probably had, how many hours did we have before, you know, you had to lock, lock the door, so to speak, mm. and equipment was being moved so people could edit from home and, you know, projects could still be progressed and everything else. And so, and once again, it comes back to how do we get back up? This is an opportunity for our sector to probably be the first in the world to, mm be COVID-free, also have a very safe working environment. So there are lots of positives. There always are. There always are positives. And, you know, we've got a very supportive government and, you know, the money is there. We've got the Screen Sector Package, which was, you know, an additional $50 million for, you know, five feature film TV series, which is pretty amazing. So the, the criteria and guidelines, they're being developed at the moment, so hopefully have that the Film Commission in New Zealand on air by September. And then separately there was some money for productions affected with the, the, the shutdown. So if you were shooting, mm. and so there were overages that occurred. Um, also some were in cinemas. 
and so you've got to have additional like PNA mm. to help them get back up again. Mm. So there were all sorts of different phases that productions were in, either just moving into. And to actually reschedule in cinemas is a very difficult thing. I mean, it's not just, oh, well, I didn't go last week, so maybe I'll go, you know, the next week. Because there are so many other, you know, some of the big blockbusters aren't being released at the moment because they've all kind of delayed, 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 um, which does give us a window, you could say, domestically to be um, have more New Zealand films. Mm. So, yeah. Because um, it's, it's such an unusual and unique situation we all find ourselves in, in New Zealand, yeah. to be an open society and now we're off and the first cab off the rank, in a sense, in globally that we can get back to work and produce mm. and create. And someone, I was chatting to someone down in Queenstown um, a couple of days ago about they've kind of exhausted all their Netflix watches, mm. everything they've kind of been through already, and they're hungry for new content. And then they were saying, but nobody's making new content because they can't at the moment. I'm like, wow, what a great situation we find ourselves in in New Zealand to create new content because mm. we can and produce it. Mm. Do you see that as, a, as the big opportunity? I mean, definitely. We've still got a couple of issues outstanding. So there's uh, an exclusion now in insurance, communicable oh, okay. diseases, which mm. has taken me a while to learn to say that. So it's not COVID, it's communicable diseases. Um, so what uh, SPADA was commissioned by the New Zealand Film Commission to write a proposal on an indemnification, insurance indemnification proposal to put to government for them to indemnify for the next, um, a rolling over for the next, you know, sort of 24 months mm. whilst the insurers stay out of the market. Then they come back and, you know, they're working on some new um, products. But at the moment, the, the um, productions and films and TV that you see up and, up and running already had existing insurance in place, or they may just be uh, shooting and they don't currently have any coverage if there is a, a COVID incident. So for third-party financiers, it's it's essential for them to have that insurance. So it's it's definitely affecting the new feature films coming through. So hopefully that will be resolved. Mm. And there's the border. So there's always the then a limited number. And once again, that is an opportunity for local actors and and um, perhaps HODs, directors, you know, producers. If if people are looking at how many people they have to bring over, they have to pay for their quarantine, all those sorts of additional costs start making people think a bit more laterally about their, you know, their creatives, all the people on the ground. So Would you say that in New Zealand we do have, because I heard you say that they're thinking about bringing, maybe they're bringing talent out from overseas, whether it's cameramen or, or crew or actors, if that, to be in, in said films? or productions, <clears throat> do you think that we have the pool of talent here in New Zealand? Like I just spoke to a friend of mine at the gym on the way here and he's just been cast in a film where he gets to play Apera Nangata, which is awesome. But it's a story around that time when Apera Nangata was right at the kind of forefront of um, bringing maori into the mainstream again, you know, like making a resurgence of the language when it being taken away from us, bringing it back into mainstream again. Mm. Uh, and so there's going to be some internationals needed for sure. But do you think that we have in New Zealand a, a pool of talent where we don't have to rely on international people? 
I think there's always um, a lot more talent than you know you could ever imagine. The thing is with it just depends on what sort of project it is. Some names, and this is in all territories and all countries, some films need an A-list name to get it financed. You know, just like I've got, I'll take a bet on you as an unknown director and you as an unknown writer if you have got a name in your film. So there's something bankable for me as an investor in your film. So if you've got Kate Blanchett or Nicole Kidman or Cliff Curtis or somebody... Scarlett Johansson. Scarlett Johansson who can sort of like open it. So you can say, well, it's got this name attached. So in those instances, I think that's something where we continue to have that uh, growing bankable talent in New Zealand. And then there's always that, that raft of great core creatives, but would they be able to open a film or TV series? So they're two slightly different things. So I think sometimes they have to be brought in, but for the majority of the films, you do have, um, I say the majority of the, say, cast and crew would be New Zealanders, because it's just a, it's just an economic kind of fact, yeah. really. Um, and you have Avatar, so we've got a number of New Zealanders, obviously, you know, with Cliff Curtis and Avatar. Um, so I think it's like anything. This is an opportunity, though, with the border situation to create more of a, um, a push and an incentive to use those people, you know, because it's too hard to maybe bring an actor in who may be feeling a bit nervous about flying, being away from their family, you name it. And so it's like, okay, well, let's just do Here's some... what we've got here. Let's just do some casting. Let's just do some sort of roll calls and get some people in and go, finally, you know. So it's like all disasters and all of these sorts of things. There's always sort of silver linings to it, isn't it? You know, mm-hmm. you just sort of go, mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think it'd be really interesting. It's quite exciting. Mm. It is exciting. Mm. I heard the word opportunity. I think after COVID, it's really, well, it's a lot of things, isn't it? It's Mm. certainly brought up a lot of, uh, for me and what I do, uh, an opportunity to do things differently. We've got to look at how there's a big core with particularly with well-being <clears throat> after our well-being was compromised with COVID, not just domestically but internationally. Mm. A lot more people are kind of shining a lens on how they're taking care of themselves, which I'm very uh, grateful for because, uh, as you know, I'm a big advocate for that. And COVID, I suppose, go back to your silver lining points, the silver lining that I see on that is that people are now taking better care of themselves. Our, our, our studio, for example, and I'm very grateful for this, is, is really busy at the moment. And I, I think it's because of that people are kind of going, oh, I wasn't really taking care of myself, mm-hmm. not just physically, but mentally and emotionally, mm-hmm. which, which uh, yoga and meditation is one of the ways that you can deal with that. Mm-hmm. Mm. Especially the mental well-being, like that's, that's huge post-COVID, and using that opportunity to kind of do things differently. Like a lot of people, our studios in the middle of the city, uh, are not coming back to work, so Mm. their 
workplaces have closed down <coughs> because the uh, bosses have discovered that uh, all of their workers can work remotely now and do things from home. So I've heard of like Contact Energy is one big example, and that they've they're not, they're not coming back to the offices, mm-hmm. uh, and so they've. They, their lease was coming up, so they used the opportunity to kind of cut their lease and just go, well, only we'll just have a small portion of the building for uh, the CEO and all of the, the main people at the top who can have a, a place to kind of meet and do all those meetings face-to-face. But everyone else worked from home, which means that people aren't coming into the city. Mm. So even though we are busy... Uh, it's interesting, the times that used to be our busiest, like early in the morning and at lunchtime, mm-hmm. because people were at work and they come and get it done, do the yoga practice before work or during work. Now don't, those are quite quiet. So do you have like new mm. people coming through the door, sounds yeah. like then? Yeah. A whole new community of people going, Yes. what's this downward dog thing? Yes, yes, yes. I'm not very flexible is the first thing I hear. <laughs> I know, right, that's so funny. Yeah. I know, and, and uh, my answer to that is, well... Can I tell you that yoga is not about that? I know I get. I know Instagram is to blame for, for all of those positions that you think mm-hmm. yoga is about, but it's not actually about that. In fact, it's about calm mind. If, if you were to just yeah. use one phrase, and so that's the aspect that they're really drawn to, mm. uh, and that keeps them kind of staying and coming back. Can I stay with mm. your uh, yoga practice in sense of your studio, mm-hmm. because? I didn't know this before I met, like I obviously know you through TEDx Wellington and what you did there. However, for this, obviously I go back and look at other things. I'm fascinated about the, your culture in Afi and how it's not just a yoga studio and how you ask your instructors to go beyond just practitioners and care and uh, you know care for the individual and have chats with them and stuff. Could you talk about like why you've done it that way? rather than just turn up, do your yoga, go home. Yeah, hard out. <laughs> well, I suppose it, I should go back to how I found yoga and that, and that uh, I found yoga, long story short, 18 years ago, I was a professional dancer and I injured myself. <laughs> and the physio said to me, uh, you should do yoga, it's a way to um, kind of rehab your, it was an Achilles injury. So mm. down dog's great for your calf and it gets the ankle joint moving a bit more and just stretching lightly into the Achilles just to bring some movement back. So I approached it from that physical sense. I was able and capable and had good facility in my body. So I, I was like, oh yeah, I'll give this yoga thing a go. Like most people, and I, I would say also this is still relevant today, mm. I thought yoga was for hippies and... <laughs> uh, and really flexible people. So that last portion I, I could kind of uh, relate to. So I, I went to yoga and this uh, teacher, fabulous, still teaches uh, up in Auckland. It was, it was actually at Les Mills because I used to work at Les Mills. So I was like, oh, I'll give it a go at Les Mills and if I like it, I'll go to an actual yoga studio. And A-type personality, this is, I can see her, I can picture her, this lady was next to me, <clears throat> ethereal looking, <laughs> 65, like she had a bob, and she wasn't even paying attention to me, she was mm. just like grace, that's the word I'll use, grace, 
fully moving through practice, eyes closed, just totally unaware of me or anyone else in the room. It was packed, the room was packed. This guy was like, <laughs> trying to <laughs> muscle my way through and actually competing with the like, I'm, I can yeah. touch my toes <laughs> and uh, the teacher came up and put her hand on well, speaking to the room but specifically to me mm-hmm. I was like and sometimes you just don't have to try so hard nice yeah. so it brought me to my knees like, literally <laughs> I was on, in child's pose going what is all of this yeah. about it was a pivot point because it made me realize yoga is not about the physical. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it started my journey into learning about philosophy, the philosophies and methodologies behind yoga. Mm-hmm. And to answer your question, the, the, what I realized through studying the teachings of yoga is that they align beautifully with everything I was taught by my nan and my koro about Māori culture. They align really beautifully with the uh, themes that I tell in the stories. I tell, teach to little kids about respect, about, um, for example, just right now, about Matariki taking care of Papa Tuanuku, which is a story about stewardship and guardianship and taking care of Mother Earth, for example, mm-hmm. ourselves. Uh, and so all of those methodologies and philosophies of yoga brought me back home to open the studio, Afi. And the word Afi in Māori means to support or embrace, to hug, is what some people might know it, know it as. And that's kind of what we do, is, is to embrace and support people along their well-being journey. Because uh, in Māori we have a model, it's not the only one, but it's one of them, and it's really widely known within Aotearoa at the moment, which is why I think that people are coming to our studio, because we do do this differently, and we take a different lens on what people perceive out there as yoga. In in the Māori model of haora, or te whare tapawha, it's a four-walled approach, it's a holistic approach to well-being. Mm Simplest way to explain it is to take care of your well-being of your body. So in yoga, we'll do a physical yoga practice of your mind. So we'll do meditation to help you with that. Of your spirit, another way to say that is heart or your emotions. And we'll definitely help you along the way with that. They kind of all go together. Mm-hmm. Take care of your body, which which will give you a clearer mind, which will obviously lift your spirits. And when you have those three aspects of your well-being in place, it means that you can go out and connect, which is the fourth wall, connect with others, connect with our environment, Mm. connect with, if you want to go a step further, with something greater, if that's what you choose to have in your life as a faith, better. Because these three aspects of your well-being are taken care of. Most people, I was just at the gym, so I did my body stuff just then before this. Uh, it's compartmentalised, so they just mm. think, oh, you know, stripped it away, really, isn't it? The yoga has just become their physical yes. asanas as opposed to, as you say, it the is holistic. The 360. Yeah, and mm. and uh, 
that's what we, I suppose, do differently at Afi, mm. and I encourage our teachers to be an example of that because I'm a true believer that as a teacher you must walk the talk mm -hmm. to be integrous and to for it to be really resonant and powerful and potent you've got to be a walking talking example of that sure. so daily I, do, I have a morning routine where I do something for my mind I do something for my heart I go do something for my body so that I can go out and show up fully to be of service for others. Mm -hmm. That's lovely. Mm -hmm. and, and that's what we as teachers do at Afi. Mm -hmm. That's what we do and provide for our students is that opportunity to support them in their way, mm. wherever they are on that journey. Sure. Mm -hmm. no. So many people that's could amazing. learn from that, you know, that cultural ethic of looking after each other beyond the what I'm serving you usually. I'm just serving you a sandwich. That's it, that's the transaction. However, mm. I'm serving you a sandwich because you always come in and we've got a relationship and I care about you. You might be a little bit down on that day. Hey, how are you doing today? You know I mean? Mm. It goes a little bit extended. Mm. And that's what it sounds like, just being a lot more In service human. as opposed in to service. In service, for service, right, mm. yeah. I mean, yeah, I haven't absolutely. been doing yoga as long as, as you have, but I started a daily practice probably about nearly four years ago now. Yeah. And all of that. I was drawn to it for, I think it started as a 30-day yoga. I do it online. It was my first place. And um, my friend used to teach Bikram yoga. And when he went back to the States, he gave me his yoga mat, which was beautiful. So I always have that out. And I, I can, whenever I used to talk to him about it and how I was feeling and how I wanted to, once again, like you keep learning more about it. It's just such a... A beautiful kind of unfurling I think is the way I feel about it mm -hmm. is that it's such an opening up mm -hmm. to life sure. because we are but one piece of life on this on this planet you know like you say on Mother Earth you know and it's how we treat everything of oh, this beautiful story that I read and it was this um, man and his uh, his grandmother used to in the morning um, before having breakfast she would always take a little bit of her food and she would go outside and she would find an ant and give you know and the, <laughs> the villagers thought that she was crazy and she would say you treat the smallest creature as you would the largest creature you know it's just sort of that respect and noticing and and that interconnectedness of just everything you know and for me I think with lockdown even though it was really busy with with work I kept kind of like coming back luckily through I think yoga to go this is my time because sometimes it's difficult to know how am I really helping people how am I really helping people and I think for me it was an opportunity to feel like I could really be there for people who I could see were struggling and you could see the behavior was just at times going completely off the wall and I think if you're seeing somebody just on the surface like you and your behavior I think it's very easy for people to dismiss things as oh well they're this that and the other and then they put a label on them and then they don't see them anymore but it's the ability to sort of see beyond that and that they're hurting you know there's stress, there's all of it. And it just, 
for me and and for obviously what what you've been doing is particularly in the schools with children it's just it's such a phenomenal gift to be able to give somebody because it's it is literally something that I think shifts the energy and the dynamic if you have that person who's centered they can almost change the the physical energy if you come into a room and there's somebody a bit irritated if there's one person you know like you're saying who's you're looking after yourself and you're you're in a place that you're clear as long as you're okay you're not the problem everything else is you you're there just to to be there for them almost thank you yes Mm. I always use the analogy that um, you know they say it on the on our genius in New Zealand uh, uh, mm. you know, emergency, um, yeah. what do you call them, videos, you know, put your oxygen mask yeah. on first before you adjust someone else's. Mm-hmm. That's my mantra, mm. you know, it's really simple, like how, how if you can do your work on you, mm. for me it's yoga and meditation and moving my body daily, mm. then I truly can be of service fully, show up fully. Mm. I do lots of well-being workshops. I've been doing uh, workshops for the Green Party. I've been doing workshops. Did lots of it online over lockdown for the Mental Health Foundation, for Changing Minds, for yeah, lots of uh, different uh, societies. But I've been doing it with school teachers too. Mm. And I had this really interesting conversation a couple of weeks ago with uh, a teacher. She'd been teaching for 20 years. And she started crying when I used that analogy of putting your oxygen on, mask on first before you attend to others. Mm. I said, are you okay? I'm oh, like, this is five minutes in. She didn't, we didn't, hadn't met, we'd done our intros, okay. we'd done our icebreaker, and then, and then I said, are you okay? And she shared that she's, ne- she's not had a holiday for 20 years since she started teaching because in the holiday she's got all her mokos, all of her oh. grandchildren who come over. So she's t- taking care of children during term time. And the holidays are her grandchildren, but mm. no time for herself. And I asked her, how are you? And she was like, I'm exhausted. Mm. And it made me really uh, oh, sad for her. Mm. Mm. But even more activated to do this work and offer, I offered to her and just kept offering to her. Mm. Oh, because she said, I said, well, why? Why haven't you had a holiday? She was like, oh, because I feel it's selfish. Mm. People tend to okay. look at self-care from the lens of it's selfish. And me, especially if you're a parent or a stay-at-home mum, it's like I, they need me. I, I need to take care of them before I take... I'm last on the list of mm-hmm. priorities that have to get done today. They're first. And I, I offered... What about if you looked at it from the lens of it's not selfish for you to take care of yourself? In fact, maybe it's selfish that you're showing up with an empty cup. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And so what about if you were to fill your cup? So And it doesn't need to be hard and it doesn't need to fill it so it's extra work and can be simple, which is really how, what that whole workshop was about. What about if it was simple enough and didn't take time? Mm-hmm didn't take much effort, but it just became part of your routine, like you making the lunch for kids every mm. day, like you mm-hmm. dropping the kids off for, uh, every day. What about if you made it part of your routine so that uh, you're filling your cup and so therefore everything you do and give out is done with a full cup? Yeah. Because you can't keep pouring from an empty cup. 
she stopped crying and got excited. So <laughs> by the end of each workshop that I do with all of these societies and the teachers is they come up with their own wellness plan. So they've got something that they can implement today mm. for their body, for their mind, for their soul, for their heart. Mm. Something simple like for your heart could be as simple as at lunchtime, I'm going to go and eat my lunch outside because it's a beautiful day. Because mm. I know that when I'm in the sun, it lifts my spirits. Of course, yeah. So simple, simple. Simple. Doesn't take any time. You're on lunch anyway. Mm. Um, it's exercise as well if you want to go for a walk around the bay. Mm. So you can, you can add that into to it. So... You know, it's not difficult. I just think that people kind of get in a rut. Yeah. They get tired and then they lose sight and then it just all starts becoming really overwhelming, doesn't and it? Yeah, and mm. so anything that I'm asking you that's new another, is extra. Yeah. It's like, it's yeah. extra. Another mm. thing. Another thing. That's the thing mm. that you've been doing so well is raising the literacy around the idea that mental health and wellness mm through the medium of mindfulness or yoga, whatever it is, is so paramount to help not only yourself, but then with the wider issues, and part of your TED talk speaks to this, is that we lead the world in youth suicides yeah. here in New Zealand, which when I share that with my mates back in the UK or friends in the US, they're like so surprised mm -hmm. and shocked, uh, whereas here I'm almost disgusted by it and kind of like, that's just, that should, it's not even a thought that I can register and sit with because it's like we, we're in paradise, yeah. right? We're in such mm -hmm. a well-funded country, safe, and we have so much wealth, whatever that means for anybody, you know, not just monetary, but, you know, mana and everything else and food and community and everything else. Abundance. Like, yes, we're abundant. And how, mm. how is it that we lead the world in kids killing themselves? And it does come back to mental health. It's got to, yeah. you know, an identity yeah. and load. It's, it's, it's funny, isn't it? I mean, like, because there's a guilt of even not feeling okay when you have all that. And I think yeah. we've got to be really careful about it kind of being slightly different to just, well, what have you got to be sad about? You've got this, 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 and this. Sure, yeah, good And it's point. a slightly yeah. different... Isn't it? We're talking about it slightly. It's coming from a different place. Yeah. So it's in. Yeah, you got it's it. in here. I really it's loved how you explained your yoga practice and around kya, in Māori we say kya pō waya blooming. And that's why, what, why I love this mindfulness work because it's in. It's, it's the work that you do with the ins, within the inside because you nailed it. You know, we, we have so much outwardly to be grateful for here in New Zealand. We have, we're, the, we're the first cab off the rank, I think, were your words of mm. being open and back to back to normal and, you mm. know, we're, we're a thriving community, it would look like from the outside mm -hmm. countries looking in. Mm. But unfortunately, f through so many circumstances and so many different reasons, the work that we need to really do is inwards. Yeah. So and that's what I'm up to with the mindfulness program is doing that work from the inside so that our because you can change everything outside mm. I, I remember mm. I can't remember who the speaker is but it was something along the lines of I I was so messed up in my head I had to go away and have a holiday and I thought that going to the most mm. tropical beautiful holiday was going to sort out my circumstances and his words I think were like I'll clear my head 
but my head's still with me. <laughs> so I'm in the most beautiful place in the world, still with my shit that yeah. I haven't dealt with, thinking mm -hmm. that outwardly it would fix it. Yeah. yeah. But still have to deal with with, with your shit. And, I, and, and the work, therefore, must be on the inside, inside mm. work, so that no matter what happens mm -hmm. mm. outside of you, yeah, you can't change what's what happens outside of you, but you can change how you respond Control to it. With it. Yeah, exactly. And, and the M three stuff then is uh, you've been doing it for a couple of years now. Mm -hmm. You've rolled out obviously the online platforms. You got involved with the government stuff as well. They kind of got where you at with that story. Are you starting to see outcomes? Are you starting? Yes. I know you got beautiful anecdotal kind of stories, but is there a wider play? There's a, well, I, if I could share some exciting news for mm. in terms of where we're heading, but then also answer your question about uh, some results and so. Mm. Actually, I'll start with the results. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, since TED Talk last year, obviously, lots have, lots of, I suppose, what has come from that is exposure and interest and international interest, which I'll get to in a second. But I'll just use two schools as an example. Um, one school that's been doing it since the beginning, they were actually one of the trial schools. I don't know if you know, but I started it off just really to go teach some yoga. So it wasn't ever, ever an intention to create a program and have it roll out through schools and stuff it was just like oh, I'll just go and teach some yoga and <laughs> have a nice time with the kids love kids mm. <clears throat> uh, but then I actually realised oh there's a deeper need here mm. and I know that yoga has helped me in my own life with my own mental health and well-being from that Achilles injury but mm. other stuff as well along the way simply through growing up that I thought, what about if I could teach children that? Mm. One of the schools, it was one of the pilot schools, uh, have been doing it since then. And the principal has uh, said, because there's no measurables yet, but that's what I'm working on, that's next stage, uh, has said that he has noticed behaviourally across the board all of the children, for example, when a teacher or someone senior, it, this is a simple example, walks in, normally it's like, rah, 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 and you have to like do, or whatever yeah. measure they do to get the kids quiet. Don't have to. There's, it, like a teacher will walk in and they're all like, <laughs> which I'm like, like really? really? <laughs> wow, really? That's... What secret yes, is this? Yes, yes. You should bottle that. Yes, right, and uh, and but but what it was interesting because this was a program that was for the children is that the teachers are also through participating in the program uh, with the children mm -hmm. are also better in their karma, mm -hmm. in their course, um, yeah. how they're dealing with the children. So there's that trickle on effect. Oh, yeah. Amazing. So much environmental kind of impact. You got it. So it's socially yeah. impacting them on a wider scale, mm -hmm. uh, which is really beautiful. And so it's behavior, that's things like behavior, so deeper respect for each other, mm. the children, uh, for um, within the staff as well. <clears throat> One other school, it's their measurable as being bullying. Mm. 
and through doing the program, they've had a huge decrease in, in bullying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and one teacher said Perfect. that uh, I, I did it at the end of just for lockdown. They call them kahui, which are clusters of schools. was out at the hut here. Um, they have a big um, PD day, a personal development day for teachers. So it's only teachers. Mm-hmm. And they all come. And <laughs> this lady came and she goes, you're the M3 guy, eh? Forever known as now. I said, yes. And she was like, oh, I just can't. I can't thank you enough, our... our our kids, <laughs> she saw two kids breathing in the playground together, like holding each other's hand and breathing. <laughs> like, oh my doing goodness. Yeah, I was just going to say, doing the, the Māori three. And yeah, you got it in the, all the way oh, out. That's so good. In the playground. That's mad. That's beautiful. That's practice, yeah. right? It's, such a, it's something they'll never forget. And if they start doing it at that age, it's just such a, mm. it's, it's that place they can always go to. Close it's your the eyes inward, and just the, go. Mm, it's okay. the inward place that you and I were just talking about. It's, mm. it's um, in Māori we say hoki ki te ukaipo. Like it means to return home. Mm. Mm. Which to me is what yoga is. It's a returning yeah. home. Physically I get to come home to myself. Mm-hmm. Mentally I get to be present with what I'm doing in my body. Which is a you know being present is like a coming home. Mm. The breath is the thing that brings me home. Mm. So if out of all of everything that I offer to our children, is that simplicity of the breath that allows them to find some semblance of balance or calm mm. through being in the present. Mm. That's job done really absolutely big tech because it just shows how precious they are i mean and the Mm. how profound uh, breath is you know i was just saying to dk you asked asked how my my dog was bella who i love so much she's 11 and like last week she was so sick and um she'd lost all this weight and she'd been at the vets and you know she's been on the drip and everything and at night when they, they said, oh, well, you can come and pick her up, but she was still not well. And at night, I would just find myself kind of like pushing her because I'm like, I can't hear her breathing. And that's when you just keep coming back to this thread of life that yeah. is so ignored, isn't it? It's that <laughs> thing where you're just running around and it's only when you're out of breath after running up, you know, flight Until of stairs that somebody it. goes, mm. you or it, when yeah. you're at the top of a mountain yes. or if you, you get double pneumonia and, you know, yes. with COVID. Yes. And you suddenly go, of course, yeah. gone, too late. And it's just to keep coming as you case every well, day, every moment, simple. come back to it. It's so simple. Sorry. Mm. I was just going to mention your your contribution to the TEDx Wellington story mm. was actually profound, but not not just at the event. So we always put our speakers to a five-week coaching experience and sh- have that shared kind of experience so they can lean in on each other, mm-hmm. create a community. Um, and I always remember I used to invite you to do a little bit of a meditation at the start of those things. And, and it really did, and I've now, envelop that into my practice when I'm doing the speaker coaching and master classes I now have a slide with a uh, expanding and contracting just image or uh, just a circle mm. that expands and contracts it's 
So it's a visual awesome. cue to go, let's just be here now, Ramdas, you know, like just to take a moment. Because most people come to any experience already full, whether it be the TEDx Wellington coaching, is like they've already had a day of work or they're thinking about going to get back, cook for the kids, or whatever. they're doing something, they're carrying a lot. So we got to get them out of that and get them there. And into, it's the same, yeah. Out of and into. That present. Mm. So I've, I thank you for giving me that insight of going, just taking that moment at the beginning of anything to be here now and the tool of breath to do that, to signify, okay, just slow down, just breathe. That's the only thing you have to focus on for the next you know, 10 seconds, 20 seconds, nothing else, just take mm. a moment. Mm. And then they're much more op open and present. You got it. And yeah. what can be achieved from that, that base mm. point A? Yeah. What can be achieved then from there? Open, ready, productive. Yeah. It's and it's a safe place, like you were saying, coming home. Because it's living in the past, rehashing what happened, and then it's worrying about the future. Yeah. So it's this a constant state of anxiety. And especially with little ease, if, if home environment's not right, you know, so they come with that turmoil, thinking about that. What's it going to be like when I go home? Mm. That kind of situation. So there's a and to have that. It's almost this amazing freedom within that they can find, as you say, this this place mm. that they can rest in mm. safely. Because that those the past and the future are external circumstances. Yeah. Eh? Mm. It's our mind. Yeah, which and it's tricky. This tricky, this cheeky little monkey. Mm. Very cheeky sometimes. Mm. But that that has us in the past or in the future, which is you know outward. But the beauty of the breath is it brings us in and in and in and in. And the more we can still the storm within, we can we can weather the storm without. Mm. You're welcome. <laughs> I just made that up. Thank you very much. Go back to your question before about the. Um, I, I can't. I haven't actually said thank you to you for providing a platform, like personally to you, for providing a platform through TEDx that uh, that allows people to share their ideas. You know, I love storytelling and uh, to share my story, personal, and mm. what it was that I was up to with M3. Because through that, two things have happened. I became a fellow for Edmund Hillary, um, Edmund Hillary end of last oh, year. And then I also, through Edmund Hillary, which wouldn't have happened because of TED Talk, which Ollie is also part of and Anne-Marie are also part yeah, of. Yeah. I wouldn't have met this guy, so this has come back to you, circling back to your question from earlier. So M3 is doing well, it's travelling well, but uh, I w another fellow called Dan Cordaro is the CEO of the Contentment Foundation. Contentment Foundation is a mindfulness-based program which is in 20 countries, uh, okay. based out of the US. His story is beautiful. In that, <laughs> he was on the faculty of Yale as the uh, the youngest ever PhD student slash who graduated to become a professor of psychology. Wow! His uh, on the Yale faculty, and his PhD was in child psychology, particularly emotional. 
behaviour mm. and his, as part of his PhD he took his uh, study to, I think it was like ranked the number one in America, which this is huge <laughs> considering uh, current circumstances there, that, that uh, highest crime rate, highest suicide rates, lower socioeconomic, so you know, all of the statistics basically to implement a mindfulness program at this school. He had such an amazing uh, success at this school that a lot of circumstances, I'm just cutting the story short, but mm. he, uh, he quit his job mm. on the faculty, much to the chagrin of his um, of his uh, wife, <laughs> she just about left him, he said, but uh, he said, this work is too important, I can't, I can't sit on an academic board, mm. board while this is going on and know that I have some tools that I've shared course, that can create Change such, yeah, you got it. Mm. So he said, um, I'm going to Bali because super bright mind had already thought five steps ahead. He was like, because we can have the best life in Bali for a third of the price because I've got no money now, <laughs> but I want to start this foundation. And fast forward five years, he's now in 20 countries with an amazing set of investors who want to see change. And he's created this program called The Four Pillars which is similar to what I was telling you about before, about mm -hmm. the four pillars of well-being in Māori. Mm -hmm. um, so through lockdown, one of the things that came out of it is I met this guy at the beginning of lockdown. Probably every second day we just chatted for two weeks. Nothing came of it, and we're just like, I was like, this guy's amazing. He has a meditation practice. Uh, he, he, he studied Zen Buddhism. So a different kind of pathway, but similar in that we both are practitioners of the work that we do, plus as well this amazing mind. Mm. And uh, then we were like, oh, well, you're on the fellowship, which gives him a visa to work here mm -hmm. when the borders open. Why don't we think about putting our programs together? So to answer your, your question, brother, uh, M3 and the Contentment Foundation have uh, collaborated. We just last week signed the agreement. Mm. We're called the Tuakiri Foundation. Tuakiri in Māori means uh, to be the wholeness of yourself. Mm. Or like, you know, those pillars That's that we're so talking cool. about. Mm -hmm. So, so yeah. the, the, the sum of all of your beautiful parts, which is feeds into all those whakaro ideas of you, of us being enough here, mm -hmm. taking care of this here, mm -hmm. before we go out and mm. to the world and have to do all of our things mm. for our children. What I love about his program, which I, which means I have to develop my part of of my program is, he's in, um, his program has been developed for two-year-olds through to 18. So a whole, oh. so, so it's a follow-on program. Mm. The other genius thing is it starts with the teachers. Okay. Yeah. So the teachers must be the role models of the work. They yeah. must be practitioners of it because 
monkey see, monkey do, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. You tell me to be mindful, but then you're over there yeah. yelling at that yeah. child because mm -hmm. you can't handle or deal with your stress. Mm. For sure. Well, congratulations, man. Oh, that's thank so you, bro. exciting. That is big news. Oh, yes, to thank you because that's how that's, <laughs> that's those so series cool. of events start. Well, we lead on the way, and if it's <clears> a good way, leave on to better things and thank greater you. things. So, now oh, it was uh, an amazing experience having you involved, not just for my personal view as well, because I learned so much from you. So, thank you for sharing so much. It was one of the most emotional journeys I've been on for with one speaker because of your journey, you know, you can't help but empathize and be yeah. there with you. And you're one of the most unique mm. humans on the planet who can make me cry, so thank you. Mm. Um, <laughs> in the nicest possible way. Exactly, because I'm like, I'm, I'm geared up. Um, but but I, I'm serious, I, I think you're one of the unique people that I know also can be really comfortable in your both maleness and emotional self as well, you know, and that's one of the big things that we find living in New Zealand and being a, a Brit as well is our conservativeness and our ideas of what it is to be our gender specific roles and then add into that our upbringings and then, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm yeah. like, I struggle to, to mm. share my emotions properly and mm. yeah, I was just it, it overjoyed to learn from you in that regards. So thank you as well. Thank you. I want to come back to the uh, Athi uh, slash M3 stuff because of the beautiful stories that you lace in with it, mm -hmm. which a lot of people don't realize it's not just a yoga practice or mm -hmm. a mindfulness practice. It's kind of educational as well from a Maoridom yeah, perspective in terms of mm. like there's a whole wealth of stories out there that I'm going to envelop in here or, or seed in there and build off of. Um, and I'm, I'm wondering, like, what are your favorite kind of stories that get the, the kids most kind of agitated oh in the nicest possible ways? Great question. Because oh. you have so many, right? Yeah, you use them all, Matariki, you know, kind of Maui yeah. and all that stuff. We do. I, <laughs> oh my gosh, you put me on the spot. Well, it changes, to be honest, because okay. uh, actually one that, that I've just learnt, if I could share, is a further on to one of the stories that I I uh, I know. Okay. That I, I learnt from this brilliant individual last week. <clears throat> and feeding into what we were talking about, about the breath, is that um, our first human, Tane Mahuta, was the god who separated Rangi, Nui and Papatunuku, so he separated Sky Father and Earth Mother because they were squashing them, the, mm -hmm. the gods, and so they separated. So Tane Mata realised when, when uh, we were here on Earth that there were no women. So he created a, a woman, uh, a single woman called Hineahuone from the clay at the opening of the legs of Papatuanuku, the special clay. And the words Tihei Mauriora, which you would have heard, mm. means the, 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 the breath of life or the sneeze of life, like she went Tihei Mauriora, <laughs> which is the first breath, because he hongied her and then she oh, breathed, breathed. So that was the first breath that was taken. <laughs> and so the story bit that I, the, the favourite bit that I got added on to last week was when you breathe, the first breath that you take has um, becomes, it has a whakapapa. 
Mm. Uh, meaning it has a lineage. Mm. <coughs> so when you breathe, it's tapu, mm. meaning it's sacred, uh, okay. which, which gives such depth and richness mm. to the meaning of breath to me now, mm. especially mm. since COVID has compromised that for so many people. Yeah. And then that tapu is broken, meaning it becomes noa because of the energy that's given to it. By that I mean, when we breathe, it's got sacredness to it. Okay, so it's in a sacred state. In order for it to not be sacred anymore, so we can live in from day to day in just a normal way, the energy um, must shift. And for the energy to shift, uh, we must work through our stuff. It's the simplest way to say it. Mm-hmm. And so for many of our Māori in this day of age who experience domestic violence or any of the traumas that lower socioeconomic, uh, not even lower socioeconomic, but any, any of our um, younger ones experience from a young age, mm-hmm. that tapu is not broken, so they're still there at that quite, that quite uh, yeah, sacred state, so it's mm. so stuck there is mm. another way to say that. Mm. And what happens then, it's therefore, not is flowing. The, it's not flowing. The breath is not flowing. So the modi is the yeah. flow state. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's like, oh, <sighs> now I can breathe in mm-hmm. and out and in and out and in and out. Mm-hmm. And isn't that interesting that when you have trauma, tension, it's tension. Yeah. Your, your breath is held. Right, you can't yeah. breathe. Properly. Becomes shallow, doesn't it? You got Light. it. That's where it, yes, and because and you can't breathe deeper mm. through, into your belly. So then the final state of that, after this, this flow state in your breath, is then, when, then and only then when your breath is flowing, the word aroha is to turn to the breath of another. Mm. Ha is breath. Mm. Aro is to turn. Ha is breath. So once I've breathed my first breath and I've... I've gone through that state of tapuness, which some of us are still stuck in, then I can freely breathe, which creates mm. modi, mm. which then allows me when I'm in a free-flowing breathing state, I, mm-hmm. in, in other words, when I've done my work, I can turn and face yeah. and be, be in the space of love with another. Oh, cool. Beautiful. <laughs> and does that also speak to... <clears throat> We're both sharing, even all of us here in this room, the oxygen. We are, you know, we are. That that comes back to the interconnectedness. It does. The breathing in and the out, like with the trees, breathing in. You got it. Half of our lung in the, you know, all that. You got it. The inter. You got it. Mm. Um, And if I could use the COVID as a example, is that in our culture we look at COVID as, and I know that other cultures, not just ours, speak about it in this way, but COVID was a way for Papa Tuanuku, the Earth Mother, to stop and have mm. breath. Yeah, to have and a not, pause. Yeah, you, you got it. And isn't it interesting that leading up to COVID, so many signs. Mm. You're not listening to me, fires in Australia. You're not listening to me, floods, you know, like natural disasters. You're not listening to me, take better care of me. Mm-hmm. Okay, you're not listening, I'm going to wipe you out. I'm going to send you to your room so you can Mm. think about it. 
And so then from, <laughs> and isn't it ironic that she mm. took away our breath mm. so that she could breathe. And mm. so the, my most favorite times during COVID were seeing all of the videos from around the world with the dolphins and... and oh, right. Right? And, oh, um, and the blue skies and above. And yes. I was China on a... And, yes. Yeah, re-naturing re of got the it. earth. They've all suddenly yeah. gone, finally they've gone away, those yes. noisy things. Yes. yes. Exactly. <laughs> to like place shoot again. in the middle of like a village in Wales. They all yes. <laughs> and then in India it's like monkeys. Yes. It's like, wow, okay. Instead of plagues of locusts, now you have plagues of sheep and monkeys, <laughs> yeah, monkeys. Like, and deers and stuff <laughs> which like that. Which is beautiful. before we yeah. got here to ruin it For all, sure. you know. Yeah. And that's the signifying thing. I, I've always loved Hongi as an idea and a practice when you meet people and uh, when we do the conferences and the proper, you know, palfreys and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And when I speak to people who visit you and I always tell them the story of the hongi, the idea that we're sharing breath, mm -hmm. that idea that we come close enough mm -hmm. that it's almost intimate, mm -hmm. but it is intimate in a different way from a perspective we are now, what, as I understand Kelda, the story, it, and, and we're now sharing breath and, and, and even shaking and making sure both hands connect. Mm -hmm. so, I don't have any weapons as well, which was another signifying you fact. Got it. That whole kind of mythology, mythos, rather mythology, mythos, the story behind it is just beautiful to, mm. to know that we are connected back to the connection again. And this, I think, was something which was really interesting through COVID and through lockdown, thinking, gosh, will this change how we relate? Mm. Like, I'm a real hugging Me and too. I love, you know, all that. And I was Me thinking, too. so. It feels so unnatural to say hi to somebody and not yeah. touch them in some mm. way. It sounds weird, but it feels like such a disconnect. Mm. It's like you, you can't really. Yeah, speak. there was a big thing about you know obviously the hongi and yeah. they were allowing you know mm. the iwis to decide on that, and most people are like no, get that out. And even in France, you know the triple tech kiss. Mm. There's a word for that. I can't remember. Mm. And uh, yeah, our cultural and and when I've uh, met a couple of people recently, they've not refuse to shake my hand, but they were like, we're just gonna, you know, just say hello. And I'm like, cool, oh, yeah. okay, that's fine. Mm. Yeah, we gotta kind of take into consideration some people are really nervous about this stuff. Mm. But you're right, yeah, nothing can beat a mm. good hug, mm. a good affy, you know. Yeah, good affy, yeah. yes, brother. Or just to, on that point, there's a lovely word in Wales called kutch. Don't know if you ever come across this. Mm. Um, and there's lovely slogans in Wales where, say, where there's like, Anybody can give a hug, but only the Welsh can kutch, right? <laughs> and kutch means a deep embrace. Mm. It's beyond a hug. It's like a... And, and you're we, great. I love <laughs> yours. It's just like, you, you know you're going to get a good like, hug. Yeah. It's hearty. I love it. Yeah, yeah and, and there's something there of aligning beyond kutch. the idea of just a simple hug. It's mm. like, no, we've got to go deeper. Got to have a proper kutch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so just wanted to bring that up. That's it's beautiful. And so, you know that we've said a few times our connection is, isn't it interesting that in a, that's even been compromised as our uh, ability to connect, like um, having a hug or shaking hands and stuff. Like it's back to normal, I would say, more here in yeah. New Zealand. Yeah, of course. Uh, but you know, definitely over overseas. But we're experiencing divisiveness in a way that we've never experienced it before. Black Lives Matter and mm -hmm. anti-Trump, and you know, like all of that. It's like whoa. So on mm. top of COVID, which 
what I was going to say before about Papa Tuanuku breathing in us, breathing, we're interconnected. Do, you not, do we not see, my hope is that we see that our, the way we take care of Mother Nature directly impacts us. Because that's what, that's, what that, that's what the cost was, is we were sent to our room to think about how we're mm. taking care of Mother Nature and our environment. Everything is connected. Mm. We are connected. Mm. If nothing else, COVID has showed us that. You know, yes. Something, a little virus popped up in a different country and boom, it went global. How did yes. we go global? Because we're all connected. Mm. Yeah. You know, through our technology and everything, because we can fly and stuff, we've made it so we are so interlinked okay. as a species. Mm. But now, like you say, it's, it's to our downfall to a certain degree, but it's also a wake-up call of going, so okay, let's be a little bit kinder, graceful to the, everything, the holistic kind of mm-hmm. living system that we find ourselves in. Yeah. We're mm-hmm. not the top creature on the planet anymore in that regards. Well, are, you know. I think it's that that's an ego in so many ways mm. takes people off into different, you know, different areas and different places and behaviours where mm. it becomes damaging. I think it's anything where your needs, your desires are being put kind of above and beyond everything else. You know, if, it's, if I eat something here, but if I know that getting that food on my table meant that all of this had to happen over there. Can we really eat it? Continue to eat, yeah. You know, knowing that. And I think, um, was it Maya Angelou, she always says, you know, used to say, you know, when, when you know better, you do better. Yeah. And I think it's, that's it. I mean, I think with COVID, some people will probably just maybe forget and, and mm-hmm. go back. But I, I think once you know better, we, it's all you know, our responsibility, sorry, do better, bang, bang, um, <laughs> to do better, you know, because it comes back to individual Beautiful, responsibility, yeah. just like yoga. It's all about if I'm feeling, if I look after this, this means I should therefore be, I respond to everything. Yes. I can only do so much, but I'm still responsible for everything because yes. we are responsible so for everything. So therefore, by default, you're, you're responsible for everything. Mm. Yeah. 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 I wonder if um, COVID not only has been that global pause for us, but created a space for more human and creative experiences to come out of that and even then stories. Yeah. Stories is the manifestation of our experience, right? And I'm wondering, we, we had a chat with Ollie and, and uh, Jed and we were talking about how many novels will be produced over this COVID period or paintings and songs and stuff because mm. it's sent us to our rooms but we're not just going to sit there some people do but some people then or mm. buy cameras and <laughs> get the video <laughs> making as you've done but I'm wondering from your profession as well mm. like will this have a big impact on the storytelling oh. thematic mm. approaches that people take not just production wise but oh yeah What's going to happen in, in like six stories. months, well, exactly. nine months' time? Yeah. What exactly. the stories are going to come out? When they're birthed mm-hmm. mm, after the gestation. Yeah, yeah, look, that's really, it's, I think, like with any creative, you, you know, you're absorbing, your environment is, mm. is influencing you, what you see, what you hear, without even you knowing it. And it becomes part of your subconscious, yeah. doesn't it? So I think it, it can, but not. And once again, we are still in it. It comes back to yeah. our conversation before you arrived. And this interesting kind of oasis or an island. or But we are still connected and we are in a very 
precious place with COVID uh, and how well the country has responded to it and, and what that means. But internationally, we are still in, I think, in a responsive place mentally and emotionally, I think, because people are still dying from it and people are still the economics of it just it's going to be going on for quite some time and so it makes me stop and think well what can I do Mm -hmm. what still can I do here in New Zealand Mm -hmm. that will help or in some way support Um, and maybe well I think it's something that it, it still keeps coming back to by me being completely um, present in what I do every day, I know that from coming to things fully, it will just continue to kind of roll out from there. A little bit like your TEDx. I think you came to it, you were just yourself, in your truth, in your vulnerability, talking about your brother. And there was the, the beauty, you know, Brene Brown, you would have seen her amazing to talk about the strength of vulnerability. That's mm. where our strength lies, in being vulnerable. And actually seeing that when you actually speak that truth, you give exactly. everybody else this amazing gift of going, oh good, I thought that was just me. And then you feel stronger from it. So I think, um, I think there's a lot of space with um, Sparta's work in probably the emerging and, and new filmmakers coming through. I think it's an incredibly um, challenging time for younger people moving into trying to find work when the job market is looking pretty, um, you know. But that's where I think move away from the idea of going into the job market and bring it back to yourself and go, who, who am I and what what's unique about me and what can I actually bring to the world? Because I think sometimes we get uh, caught in this idea that it's go to school, go to university maybe for some, then you get a job and then you do this and you do that, then you do that, then you retire, then you start travelling around and you have holidays until you die. You know, it's this very <laughs> linear life, isn't it? As opposed to this... You know, forever changing infinity just mm. around and around like mm. that, but you know, it's undulating and it's moving and it's shifting and it's dynamic mm. and, and and much more interesting. Yeah. I was going to say, the most interesting people I know never started doing what they now do, yeah, yeah. They're always like, So, how do you get into it? Wow, okay, sit down. And then, like, I started mm. as a doctor, what the hell, you know, and it's just like, No, I'm a I don't know, juggler or something. It's just so <laughs> random. Yeah. And it's that randomness that you've got to embrace. And the world, isn't it that, um, that young people nowadays will have seven different careers before they retire, mm. whereas most people historically would just have one. Yeah. Uh, so they're going to have to be a lot more resilient, yeah, but also fluid mm. uh, in For the expectations. Sure. Uh, I speak at the Aloha sometimes because I used to be a performer in my past life and... I say past life with the greatest respect and love because I loved it when I was doing it, but it's not what I do now. And uh, I got into trouble because <laughs> they wanted me to speak about performing and how do I get into, how do all the kids get into performing, what do they have to do oh, to okay. audition and get ready? Uh-huh. And I was like, do what you want. And I'm going to say to you that here I am owning a yoga studio and, <laughs> and was, was encouraging them to just do everything and try mm. everything. Mm. Right. Uh, 
I, oh, I started at the beginning, I said, who is here because you were told by your dance teacher that you got some talent and so therefore you should go into it and or your parents want you to do it or whatever. Mm -hmm. yeah. And like 80% of them were there because someone else told them to do it. Oh. I was like, so from uh, at the end, what I wanted them to leave with was do what's like, really get in touch with what's in your heart and mm. that lead you, not, yeah. a, not, a, mm. not a, someone else outside of you telling you what to do. Because yeah. if that was a, a big learning that I got from my life, it would be, I started off as a lawyer. I was studying to be a lawyer. Yeah. At, there we go, at see? Uni. <laughs> and now look at you. But it but it was because I was told at school you're mm. gonna do this and you're gonna be mm. the first Māori lawyer in the family and blah 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 God I'm gonna No pressure. Yes, I know. And I did and it felt like pressure, yeah, so I just it would, like, wouldn't it? I'm out. Well you can't get excited you, you can't get excited by other people's ideas of your future, you know? And as you say for me, I my only talent going through school, the only subject I was good at so we say, was <laughs> art. I was a very mediocre, lower maybe, uh, student. But art, easy. Give me a pencil, want to draw There you go, done. And, you know, A's, A's, all the way up until A-levels, mm. which is the step before you go on to uni. And it was obviously decided by everybody else around me that that's what my profession mm. was going into, maybe graphic design, but some artistic kind of... Venture. I was going on to art school and stuff, and to be honest, I had to admit to myself in that A level thing. It's like I'm not. Like, I enjoy it, but it's not me. It's not what in my essence is. Now the problem is, is what it did replace, and I still try to figure that out when I grow up what I'm going to be. But that was fascinating. <laughs> having not, and my parents were so kind of worried about the idea of my future because yeah. I was like, I had a place in art college. I didn't go, and I was like. I can't get excited by this because mm. it's my talent, but it's not my passion. Mm. And that's mm. a different thing. Mm. And I'm really interested in that idea, like, you know, finding your space in life. And sometimes you trip on it. Sometimes, oh, that's what I should be doing. Sometimes people do suggest and you follow it. It's like, yeah, of course. But more likely or not, the happiest people I know or the people who found themselves are just like, okay, this was a struggle to get here. But now what I do is for this time in my life, really important. And it's that importance, right, that you feel in it, in your work. Yeah. And I think there is that um, pressure as well now. I suppose a while back it would have been, just get a job. Just yes. get a job, yeah. just get a job <laughs> please. And, yeah, yeah. and now it's like, there is that freedom and do what you're really passionate about. Mm. And there's a lot of pressure, you know, because a lot of kids are just like, oh, I don't have a passion. You know, it's or that, I'm 15 and it's I like, what? don't know oh, the world, no. this all kind well, of don't even know themselves. I, yeah, so of course. Could you possibly... How you know, mm, my passion, it's just like, well, I just want a job, but I probably yeah. shouldn't say that because yeah, I'm meant yeah. to be doing something. And that keeps coming back to just know that you're 100% perfect. Mm -hmm. Just being. Mm -hmm. Just being. As long you as you're value, right? yourself wow. in conversations and stuff like that but you are yeah. a perfect being in that regard so yeah. you know, we're so lucky just to be alive oh uh, yeah full stop and there's only you truly in the entire world and you here's a good billions. question then so i i said earlier on i didn't know what i wanted to be when i grew up mm. do you know what you're going to be when you grow up <laughs> or is this it 
Like, have you still got that? Did you know what you were going to be when you grew up? No, I, I think I went to be uh, a vet. I wanted to be a nurse. Okay, I can see I'm that. I'm very much a caring. So you love... Um, but nursing was very much a... Okay. I'm a very... You know, I love kind of looking after people and... You know, and I don't shy away from, you know, it's like, yes, I want to see your scar. Take the bandage off. Everyone's like, don't look. And I'm like, come on. Did you have a photo? (laughs) Yeah. Look, I'm really enjoying, um, to be honest, the path that I'm on Mm. with yoga. And I I was actually going to do teacher training this year. Um, we'll see, maybe maybe that'll be next year now. Probably COVID's got a little bit side with that. But I um, I was talking with somebody on the beach, an emerging filmmaker, and, uh, you know, I said, well, my, my number one thing would be having my own place so that I could help sort of like in a mentoring role with, you know, emerging filmmakers or whatever. But I said we'd have to start off doing some yoga so that everybody felt really kind of cool. And I said, and of course, Bella would be there. Of course. Because, you know, the, um, yeah, she's, she's, she's the best kind of yoga teacher ever. Amen. And just there. And she doesn't, like, climb over you. I've seen so many videos like that where people are trying to do something and their dog's she, just like... She does when nice. she knows it's nearly finished. She just has this <laughs> sense of feeling it. And I've got my eyes closed, maybe in Shavasana or something, and I'll just feel this breath on my cheek. It's like, <laughs> I'm not going to open my eyes because as soon as I do, she'll be on me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's something in that. I mean, when, when I read what you were doing, you know, with the children in the schools, I just thought that's absolutely mm. stunning. It seems like you found your calling, right? Yeah. Makes me, makes me emotional to think about. uh, What impacts I can have, and this is not from a selfish way, but from a more from a, um, you know, many things, and my brother experienced with my bro passing and certainly his children now, and how if I had some tools, if my brother had some tools, if everyone has these tools that I've learnt now that are, uh, as an adult, because I'm sorry, but adults are a little bit fucked. Mm. <laughs> yeah. You know, and it's almost like too late to undo the stuff that was done. There's not, it's not, uh, it's not too late. Mm. But, but what about if that was to be able able to be uh, dealt with earlier, mm-hmm. where at least our children had some tools they could put into their kits that yeah. could they could pull out whenever they needed. Mm-hmm. So yes, answer to your question, Bryce. Yeah, and I, and I'm so glad that I did all the things that I did before I got to this point in my life of because. This is truly the an intersection of all of the things that I've done yeah. in my life. I get to be a performer through storytelling I, uh, to the children. Uh, I, I get to write the stories, so I use that creative writing st- style that I like and, and and share my heart mostly. I mean, that's probably the biggest thing that I, I, I get to do. And in a, in a, in a vulnerable way, and mm-hmm. that's been a journey in itself. I thank you for acknowledging um, my male and female side. And as a gay man, mm-hmm. I, I 
gay man who went to a boy, gay boy who went to a um, posh boarding school, all boys, I, 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 I pushed that side down. Right. I had a girlfriend, <laughs> which I love about now. With respect to her, she's a good friend of mine now. <laughs> um, but we talk about she was she, we talk about that back then. And she, mm-hmm. was, she was like, "But did you love me?" I'm like, two hands on my heart, man. You were the first love of my life." And uh, but I pushed that down mm. and, and built within me this this character of mm. masculine Jace mm. to the world, <clears throat> including my grandparents because they were old school and there was no gay. Uh, I didn't. I had a gay uncle who was very, very fem- feminine, and I knew I wasn't that. So right. I yeah, of course. Pushed that down. So it's actually taken me probably forty years to be able to express my emotions. I don't cry for so many years because of many reasons, but part of it was to act to the world. Mm. I've got this. I'm good. No matter what the world has given me or dealt out to me, I'm good. I'll suck. Yeah. So, also, that New Zealand thing of sucking up. And yeah, right. Yeah. Don't show your emotions, otherwise, you, uh, can I? I'm uh, no offence, but this is what I was taught when I was young mm. at school. You're a girl if you mm. cry. Yeah. So I had that in my mind. Don't yeah. cry, otherwise you're a girl, yep. and you don't want the you don't want to let your secret out. Is yeah. basically what it came down to. Mm. So I'm right now at the stage where I, I feel comfortable with crying or expressing myself. Yeah. And if that means that I can allow other boys, young boys, to go, it's okay mm-hmm. to be expressive, to be with the emotions that you've got going on. Mm. As an example, yeah. fuck, then yeah, I have found <laughs> my calling. <laughs> mm. I think you have. <laughs> and I loved your, mm. your take on adults with fuck. Yeah, or adults <laughs> are fuck. There's a great, uh, I think, Philip Larkin poet, poem, sorry, which talks about, like, uh, they fuck you up, your mum and dad, because they were fucked up in their turn by, mm. yeah, all, all the people with hats who were soppy cerns, something like that is the, is the poem. And you're right, you kind of, the fucked upness just carries on, you know. It's the you intergenerational, it yeah. yeah, and that's oh, carried patience. in your genes and in mm. your DNA, DNA. And, and, and it's that, to get past that, as you say, you can if you can if you Break can get cycle. to a space to say that you know, I'm not my you know my body or my mind and and move into it that kind of, but yeah, it's whether it's pain or with Black Lives Matters the intergenerational and with slavery and and all of that coming down through the centuries it's such a a real thing that memory you know it is genetic kind of yeah. code it markers for people yeah. who were involved in like Auschwitz and stuff yeah. like yes. that. And like generational, they could get some DNA and see the same mm. genetic trauma, trauma. or yeah. something going on. I'm like, mm. so there you go. You do literally pass it on through your genes if you've had such yeah. a tragic experience. Oh, no. Well, yes. it's, it's just think about how dynamic our bodies are and our cells, and how quickly we can change the mm. the chemical composition of it mm. by suddenly either getting scared or really happy. And so when you think of a physical trauma to an external, it's fine, you've got a scar, it's an easy one, but that internalised... It's deeper. It's just wrenching, isn't it? And I think that's another 
coming back to what you do and, and the tools that you can teach, I mean, it was a few years ago, um, one of the themes when I was probably second year into doing yoga and I'm like, right, I'm going to try and get something into the Sparta conference was the power of emotion because we're in the business of obviously wanting people to respond emotionally to whether it's either the genre of rom-com, the mm. a horror or something. We're all, we're in the business of emotions. We're wanting to, you're working with creatives who need to, you know, I think in the first instance, channel their emotions, channel their, their creativity. As producers, I think we need to be able to um, be quite disciplined and once again, how we behave so that we do make safe spaces for creatives and on set you're, you're once again trying to create as best a space as possible for people so that they can do their work. Yes. So emotions are something that a number of people said, oh, why are you talking about emotions? It's got nothing to do with our business. And you go, yeah. well, that's probably the problem. Yes, it does. And actually, it's got everybody, everybody's got to, should be in their business of emotions, mm. I mean, because that's what drives us. That's what, you know, makes us get up in the morning sometimes. So coming back to that early stages, sorry. No, 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 I was just going to add on, but please keep going. Um, and then I watched the, the documentary of Fred Rogers. I don't know if you've ever watched his um, early preschool. Rogers, And he's, once again, Little East preschool, wasn't it? And... You must oh yes, watch. that movie with that was um, the movie with Tom, Tom Hanks. Hanks. Yes, 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 yes. I know exactly. I bawl every single time, and I, I came across the documentary the other night. It was just like bawling again because he's talking to the children about their emotions. Mm. You know, back in the days when nobody would talk about divorce, he even brought up about the assassination of John F. Kennedy Jr. You know, yeah. and it was just like, um, or JFK. He was treating them like. They're Adults. shorter than us, but they have emotions, and they're as big and as real <laughs> as yours. Ours, yeah. And that's pretty well much like you say. I mean, adults are just slightly taller children because a lot of them are still children stuck well, in there. Well, yeah, you got it because all of our all of our uh, belief systems started when we were young. Mm. My my sense of not worthiness started when I was young. So yeah. so you know when I'm triggered, my mm. emotional. Uh, when I'm not aware, my emotional go-to is how I was when I was a, a young kid. Yes. I'm yeah. like I'm like that, I'm, uh, and I am very aware of it after. Mm. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I was a kid, wasn't I? I stormed out, slammed the door, um, made a noise on the way out, mm. called you something that I would do, that I regret now. But I look back at it and go, whoa, that's my six-year-old me acting out. Yeah. Yeah. That was my six. It is. It's a pain body. And Mm. um, I did a myofascial uh, course last year, uh, adding on to my yoga teacher training skills, and and they talk about issues in our tissues. So Mm -hmm. at a cellular level, our body does hold that DNA and that trauma from not just from passed down through through our. through our parents and then our par- their parents for them, blah, 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 which would, I know this is kind of going a little bit off topic, but I, I only met my mum, part of my healing from my childhood was meeting my mum five years ago now, just before I moved back to Wellington. So 40 years not knowing your mum and then meeting her for the first time. My brother was alive then and he had already met her and he goes, he put me up at the airport and he, to take me to meet her. 
he said, bro, I don't know what is going on, but you look like her, you act like her, <laughs> you do things like when I when I think I look away or I look, yeah. I'm like, okay, what, what word do I want to say? She does the exact same thing. So it makes sense around our DNA, you know, that nurture versus nature thing. Like I, I have all of the aspects of her, but she never brought me up. She had nothing to do with my upbringing. I only met her five years ago. Still have that legacy of her in you. You got it. So yeah. then, therefore, I also have her pain. Yeah. I also have my her. She has her pain from her generations before, and so. And the wider con, wider construct of Faka Papa, then you know the kind of lineage idea of stories and and that ongoing carrying of your lineage. You're also carrying than their stories and their pain, I would imagine. You got yeah. it. As I carry all of the wonderful attributes, mm-hmm. I also carry all of the other stuff as sure. well. Yeah. You know? Fascinating. As you do yours, as you do mm-hmm. yours. There's a great uh, Zen quote, is uh, let go or be dragged. Mm-hmm. And, and the trick is to figure out how you can let go of those things. I think that's it. It, it is, isn't it? You, sometimes you don't realise that you are held on so tight. Yeah, I think you know? that's it. Or it's got hold of you, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, and it's just slowing you down through mm. life. And yeah, it's, it's like, you know, when they say baggage, mm-hmm. or that person's got a lot of baggage, you can feel it. They're yeah. literally holding yeah. on to their baggage. Going, yeah, we got all that language about chip on the shoulder, yeah. you know, kind of that it's been weighed or something else on you. And again, it, it comes back to not just the the wider stories that we kind of have become comfortable with in the last few years, you know, the ideas of uh, superheroes and their story arcs and stuff and, and stuff. We've become quite literate, I think, in the storytelling genres because we're hit with so many well done and well crafted. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're still yet to then translate that into our own stories. It's like, no, no, this is, this is teaching us shit rather than just entertaining us full stop. Yeah, it's mm. like that classic BBC, which was like ed- educate, entertain, and inform. It was important to have those three things. Yeah, we're going to entertain you, but we're educating and inform you at the same time. <laughs> and I think a lot of the entertainment, you know, especially of film and stuff, they just sit on the entertainment thing. It's like yes. we're not discussing, you know, what can Iron Man teach us, man? So much. Mm-hmm. I've learned so much from Iron Man. Bless me. May I please ask you a question? <laughs> As a person who's in the um, film industry, storytelling industry, because you asked me this question, but you know, you're in the business of telling stories or helping others tell stories as well. What's your favourite story? Is there a, What's your favourite film story? Oh, see, there we go. It's like, an, how hard is that, huh? Mm. Um, although I must admit, when there are some films which instantly kind of come to mind, I think uh, The Piano is definitely... I, I actually watched it when I was in the UK, and I can still to this day see, you know, when Holly Hunter jumped into the ocean and she was floating down. You know, remember that? And mm. her dress was billowed out. Um, I love bone people. I wish that was going to be made into a movie, but that's not at this stage. Um, gosh. And then to the other extreme, not in New Zealand, Dangerous Liaisons, because I mm. love John Malkovich. Mm. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think it comes back to stories and 
what you get out of it. And this, I think there's always a conversation going on, no matter what content you're watching. I don't think there's ever a, I just sit out and blob in front of the, do you know, how okay. people talk about that. Uh-huh. I think there's always something that's, that, you're, that you're taking in. And so during lockdown, it was funny. So therefore, when you're in a certain way, I, you search out certain stories. Mm. And what I have been now watching for the last, you know, few months at least, or most part of this year, is more conversations. And mm. I love Super Soul Sunday with Oprah Winfrey. Me too. I'm just in a podcast that I'm listening to when I'm doing the painting, or I just watch the things again. And I'm, and then I, I watch. I was watching a lot of uh, Ilania Van Sant's her work. Amazing. I just like I love her. She's so funny. Just she's great. I felt like I really wanted. That I didn't want to watch a drama. I didn't want to see any violence. I just wanted to Unleash feel your soul. human connection. Soul, human connection. soul yeah. food. Mm. It was soul food mm. to me, and I just love those sorts of things. So yeah, that's um, those were those the ones well, that I. I've noticed though in the last probably decade or so, it's probably been happening a lot longer. It's just I've noticed it right up until something I started watching recently called Dark. Oh, which I is a German yeah. uh, Netflix series all about missing kids, time travel. It's quite a dark mm. genre, fantasy slash sci-fi slash human piece. But the point I'm trying to make is that a lot of these series now really trust the audience with a, with a lot of interconnected narratives that previously, you know, mainly when you watch a film or any TV series, you have a couple of people in, and you know kind of the formula. They weren't going to treat you that, you know, cleverly. They were just going to give it to you, and you kind of, okay, cool. Mm. But nowadays, some yeah. of these interconnected storylines are really hard to keep up with mm. to the point where you jump on YouTube going, like, yes. recapture each <laughs> one. Yeah. Just to yeah. kind of get my head straight before I get into Series 2, and then, okay, yes, I get that now. That relates to that. that Same with the Marvel stuff. Mm. Same with Star Wars and all these things. Kind of the... Lord of the Rings was probably the perfect... Sort of multi-narrative. And and also you probably would see more complex characters. There is none Mm, of that. The anti-heroes. Black and white, good, bad. It's breaking bad. It's, Mm. is he good or is he bad? Mm. I mean, he's done some bad things, but we still follow his story. Or Ozark. We still... Ozark. Is a perfect example of that. Oh, my gosh. Amazing. Yes. (laughs) They're the worst people ever, but like... You're infatuated, like, just want to know more and more and more. Or that they trip. Hannibal, I mean, because I love Mads Mikkelsen so much. I just loved Hannibal. And I'm like, it looks so gorgeous, but I'm like, he's actually cutting up a liver. It's a real liver. (laughs) (laughs) His recipe card with the beautiful font pen and just, oh, just for human bits. (laughs) Yeah. Or the way that they play now with, like, beautiful characters who are the evil people. Yeah. Whereas historically, always, you know, you could straight away tell the evil person. Yeah. Dark or kind of, you know what I mean? You know, Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Straight away. Whereas now you're getting people who are beautiful and you're like, Oh, I didn't, didn't, didn't express back. That's the wow. whole point. Mm. So, yeah, do you see that kind of being informed with the writing and producing side people again, much more into kind of this multi-dimensional, Yeah, and I think multi-layered. we're just so spoiled with it. I mean, many have said it, you know, the renaissance of television. It was seen yes. as the poor cousin to film. Yes. And now it's the opportunity, like our conversation today, to have 90 minutes. You know, you've got a character and an actor who can follow somebody's character arc through years almost. I mean, it's just rich for uh, 
exploring more complex characters. Mm. So once again, coming back to the soundbite versus a proper conversation, yeah. you can weave in and out, go off tangent, but everything always keeps coming in and looping back around. And it, it becomes such a more interesting experience oh, rather than yeah. just this, that. Oh, yeah, know. rather than just kind of baseline. And, mm. and so therefore, what I've seen through uh, TV is that you have big, hard-hitting film actors in the TV realm now, yeah. right? Mm. Mm. I can't remember, what's that program where there was Nicole Kidman and Reese with Yeah, that, I was like, Oh, whoa, as a TV series. And you're like, and they're all of them up for Emmy Emmy Awards, the the daytime TV awards. I'm like, yeah, of course they are because they're that level, but they're in a TV series. And Alex Skarsgård is the the baddie. Yeah, amazing. Amazing. And so what some film in in the States, some people are are kind of having to to look out for, once again, coming back to having an A-lister to help with getting your finance or whatever. Some of these, you know, TV drama series could lock in talent for years sometimes and so that once again creates the opportunity for other people to sort of come in and um, have have a turn at at doing different things but yeah I've got a big question for you Mm, a big one because you're Sparta because because I am Sparta this is Sparta have you ever done that this is Sparta I do it all the time because it just sounds so funny I'm Sparta (laughs) this is Sparta and then kick someone off the stage (laughs) (laughs) just like you know you should totally make that a thing yeah if someone wanted to make a film and produce a film in New Zealand how would you go about it simple right (laughs) simple right (laughs) I'm fascinated by oh, that, right. like film or TV producers. Like, how do you actually yeah, make such a steps? complex yeah. thing? So many moving parts just yeah. come together and produce this one thing, yeah. which is film. Yeah, how do you how do you do that? Wow, yeah. <laughs> is that what you get paid the big bucks for? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it comes down to it starts with. Um, a little bit like, you know, you were talking with students. So if I go to the film school and so you've got the next generation of filmmakers, you know, coming through. It's like, OK, so what areas do you really want to work in? And some, you know, want to be a director. Not many want to be a producer, I must admit, because it's quite difficult. In terms of just you can have a lot of things on the go and you don't get much money for quite some time before maybe you make something. But I think, A, first of all, you have to have a story, once again, that you really, really want to get made, mm. like really, really connect with, that you feel no matter what, because there are so many hurdles, and it is such a long journey from even getting, like you could work with somebody and get it, uh, and just write it on spec, okay. so don't go and, you can do that, mm. and then you can submit, or you can talk to the film commission about it, it's always good to have a conversation and just start building relationships, and you could send it off to the Writers Guild and they do have a service where they can give you some script assessment, you pay for it and they can give you some feedback on it which is I think a really good thing to do. If you want to be a director the you scenario. Have to produce it. But you yeah, let's do pro- you can be the director. Yeah, okay, I can do that. Okay, I can wear that hat. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> I would like anything, just start uh, learning as much as possible about the business and what who's who's in it Film Commission, New Zealand on air, la, 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 la. Read some trades, see what's happening overseas. I would just sort of get 
aware of your new environment. Mm. You know, so like if I wanted to go off and change careers, I would probably just start doing a little bit of background research. You know, just so you could sort of see it. Like comps are a really good thing. So you tell me, I want to make a film. And I go, really? Okay, so what is it? And you go, well, you know, and 16 minutes later, if you're still talking about (laughs) that, okay. So, you know, just make something catchy, pithy, not like an elevator pitch, but captivate me. Mm. You know, it's... Interest. Oh, my God. It's going to be amazing. Mm. And you have people leaning in, really? Well, what is it? Well, it's a little bit like this, maybe a little bit like this, Mm. but there's a difference. It comes back to just storytelling. So I think a producer, if that's what you're going to be in this scenario, has to be, I think, a really good relationship person. Mm. You've got to, from talking with your creatives to talking to funders to talking to rental hire to getting your equipment, everything, you've got to know finance. You you do need to, to understand how to run a budget. You just do. You can't say, I'm going to give that to somebody else to worry about. I think so. It's a it's an incredibly challenging and rewarding job in that it's so multifaceted. Mm. Um, so you do get to be involved in many aspects of it, but you've got to be really determined and really resilient because it does take you know sure. upwards of five to eight years to get a feature film made from Whoa. development. Yeah. Five years from development to through to, to to yeah is oh. short. That's quick. That's right. like wow. Well done. So, yes, you've got to um, have stamina. It's a marathon. And that's just getting it made. And then you've got to connect with your audience. So coming back to feeling for people in COVID, you've got a producer who's worked how hard, and then just before it's going to be released, the cinema's closed down. So, you know, it's just heartbreaking at so many Or you've got that far, it's it's doing well at cinemas, and then it's out. Or, anyway, on and on and on shooting. Yeah, it's all those things. Because so many big titles have been pulled, right? And and some other titles have gone very quickly to stream in platforms. Yeah. But yes. not the big, big ones like Mulan and some other stuff. And mm. even Avatar's got pushed, I hear. Yeah, and, that's and right. Things. And so, so I yeah. think, it, and it's like everything, and it, it keeps coming back to, you've got to be like... Solid. Solid in yourself. You've got to be solid. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just really grounded to keep juggling and mm. keep wanting to play the game of juggling because if, if you're okay, you can at least still enjoy that process because it is the journey sometimes. Tom Scott did a great um, John O'Shea Memorial Address one year and it was about his journey trying to get um, the Ed Hillary film made. And his whole speech was about all of the amazing adventures <laughs> and all the amazing countries he visited trying to get this film made. Yeah. So you see, sometimes maybe it's not that that you're doing. It's all of this is the important thing. But I think if you have a focus, it pulls you, you know? Yeah. And so right. you may end you up forward. there, mm. but without that driver, mm. you know, where are you going to go? It sounds as though you also have to have a team, like the producer seems to be the, let's call it, the figurehead, and sometimes it's this. So what is an executive producer? So at the then? beginning, you've, it's, a, it's, you know, it's like a little, well, it's, it's probably like performing, like an, an actor or a dancer, like you are hours and hours and hours and hours, sometimes by yourself, 
just going through the routine, going through the routine. So, you know, a producer could, you know, in the very early development uh, phases have, they work from home a lot. Yes. And they've got a lot of um, small to medium size businesses. So it's usually just the producer in a spare bedroom at home. Yes. <laughs> so it's quite isolating. It's yes. quite difficult. And the writer's doing their thing. So calls and everything else. Um, and then it's only as you start gearing up for your production is you start amassing more people. And that's where you've got to really either hold true to your project's vision, especially for the director, that's you. Because you're going to have a lot of noise and a lot of voices and a lot of extra people and you'll be getting feedback on your script. Mm -hmm. We may need to have to get rid of the writer. I'm not sure if he's to it. But anyway... You're good. Um, <laughs> and on you. and on it goes. And then you've got the physical production, which is when the small village... Pops up, yeah. Or big village. And, and the producer can sort of step back. Some producers like being on set, others don't. Um, it just depends how they, how they work. But they're obviously monitoring and, and aware of what's going on, how the shooting's going. And then at the end, it's... And they're probably working with the distributor through throughout that whole process, probably from development actually, to be looking at sales agents, distributors, audience, test at just so many different things. Yeah. Interesting. I've got I've got, a, I've got a pitch there, and as a producer, I'd like to make a film about Jess. <laughs> it's going to be awesome. Yeah, it's going to be brilliant. I, no, I want to see it. <laughs> see, there we go. We got it lined up. A I'm great aware. documentary. It's a great <laughs> yeah. documentary. Yeah, exactly, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it? Yeah. I'm aware of your t uh, the time that we've allocated to you, but I also want to go out on a kind of a, a nice thing that we've been. It's been fascinating how many discuss. This discussion has centered around more of the human stories and the human aspects and. It's been lovely. So, and I mentioned a bit in the discussion how I used Jace and his talent <laughs> to chill us the hell out. So it'd be lovely to go out with a little bit of a, a meditation or a, or a kind of a session guided thing oh, by your nice. good self, just to make us feel all good. And John Ogie can join in as well, sat there. Always bring John O into the discussion. Hey, just so, even though he's not set, seen, he's there. So it'd be lovely to, yeah, is that all right? Yeah, man. It's not too cheeky. Can I just make it a minute? Yeah, go on. Then. So I, I do this. Uh, I do this with a. I did this with the Green Party the other day, and uh, I do well-being sessions with them. And uh, most people, when they think of mindfulness, they think of. I know I'm speaking to a captive audience here, and or, you know, um, you're already on board. But I did, did a little survey, and they were like, "Oh, it's you know, again hippies, or or it's." Uh, I've got to really concentrate, which is partly true, but not really. And I think it's that concentration aspect which I love about mindfulness because yes, you concentrate, but also it's a it's a balance between attent being attent attentive, but then also relax at the same time. Mm. So you know how when yeah. we do something, awareness. Yeah, it's more mm. awareness. So it's softer than mm. you know, like pinpoint focus it's softer than that which allows for getting it wrong and that's that humanness of you don't need to nail it there's nothing to nail mm. I remember that nice. comment from my first yoga teacher <laughs> you don't have to try so hard do you know that, yeah. that that's always in, in mm. the back of my mind so this is just mindful breathing it's really really simple is that okay do that. 
Okay. All right, well, just uh, if you feel comfortable, close your eyes. And then just scan your body with your inner awareness. Notice places in your body that might be tight or tense and just acknowledge them. Don't have to change anything about them right now. And just bring your attention to the sensations of your breath. By that, I mean maybe it's your belly rising and falling or your chest inflating or deflating or the air coming in and out of your nose. But just choose one of those things. The belly or the chest or the air. And have the sense of attentiveness in your focus, but then also relaxed. It's natural for our mind to want to wander. It may have already done that once or twice or five times, and that's okay. And you'll see if you can do five uninterrupted breaths in and out, focusing on either your belly or your chest or the air. to finish like a little full stop on our time together we'll just take a collective breath finish your next exhale and take a long breath in breathe in tahi ua toru all the way out Thank you, brother. Mm. Thank you. Nice to meet you. <laughs> you too. <laughs> <sighs> Always makes That's me want to yawn, though. Oh, yeah, me too. Well, that so means relaxed. you're relaxed. <laughs>
Thank you for listening to episode four of Creative Welly. If you haven't subscribed yet, please go to creativewelly.com. And wherever you get your podcasts, you can just find this episode as well. Please watch the video. It's much better than listening, but I appreciate some of you are kind of in the car, going for runs, doing the housework. So it's cool if you listen to the audio as well. But the video is kind of fun to watch these humans interact with each other. Again, this was produced by me, DK, also of the video produced by Jono over at Empire Films and again hosted by X Equals. Thank you, Alex. Always appreciate your support. We'll see you at the next or hear from you at the next episode, which is episode five of Created Welly. Don't forget to subscribe. I'll speak to you soon. Take care. Bye.